second. Uh, but I want to welcome you all. Uh, thanks so much for being inside on such a beautiful day outside. And thank you for those of you that jo- chose to join us online. I hope it's working now. I was working really feverishly at the back to get it going. So hopefully you can see me. I can't see you, but hopefully you can see me. Um, all right, so we are in a series called The Reward. We're in week two of the series. If you missed last week, you can go back and watch it. Um, and uh, I'm not going to preach very long today because uh, you are in for a little bit of a treat. It's a little treat that we didn't advertise very well, uh, but uh, lucky you all. We are doing something different here. We've never done this at Infuse before, uh, but we hope it is certainly not the last time, and that is that we are welcoming a new pastor into our ranks as a, a church leadership team, as a pastoral team. So it's not just Stephanie and I anymore. Uh, there's Stephanie plus an I and more. Uh, and so that's going to be exciting. We're going to do that here at the end of the message. Um, but anyways, so in this series, um, we're d- talking about something that we all do, uh, something that we've all been guilty of, something that we all kind of struggle with, that we all have in life, and that is that we have a goal or a reward in mind, something that we want to achieve or we want to get better at or we want to do differently, maybe a new behavior we have, um, and we want to get that accomplished, but then we don't do it, right? Ever had that happen before? Or we fail at it, and, and we don't actually follow through at it, you know? I want to go to the gym, but then I don't get it done. Paul said it this way, and this is the verse we looked at last week. Paul, and just to preface Paul just for a quick second, he is historically a huge deal in Christianity. Um, arguably, honestly, whether you're Christian or not, he was a huge deal in the world. His impact at the world in, in his day and, and life, but also throughout the last two millennia for that matter, Uh, is really incredible. Uh, He wrote parts of what become our Bible that we read. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, okay? He doesn't just read his Bible. He wrote part of the Bible, all right? And this is what he said about his own life of trying to behave in a certain way, to achieve things, um, to go a certain direction, specifically uh, the direction of following Jesus. And this is how he experienced life which I know I relate to and maybe you do too. Here's what he had to say in his um, letter to the church in Rome. I don't really understand myself. Anybody else? Okay, no, just me. That's fantastic. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Why don't I do what's right? I know what's right, but I don't do it. Have you ever tried to talk to a toddler? This is like every single day. Um, Instead, I do what I hate. And then I'm like upset at myself and I'm guilty and I feel ashamed and I feel bad. And I'm like, come on, Taylor, why can't you do better? Some of you, if you know me really well, know that that's literally how I say it. Like if we ever play sports together, you know, or out, hit, hit up the tennis court or something or play golf or something, that is like my inner voice and I will literally say it out loud. Come on, Taylor, get it together. Um, or, or ping pong. Oh, it really comes out in ping pong. Um, but anyway, it's just fun facts for you. Not really helpful, but you know. You're getting to know me a little bit. Okay, so anyways, I don't really understand myself. Why do I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things that I want to do? I just don't get it. Like, my goal is to go to the gym and then and to lose weight or become more healthy or something, and then I eat fast food, right? Why do I do that? Some of us, we struggle with fear or isolation, and we're like, I really shouldn't be so afraid to be alone. I really shouldn't be so afraid um, uh, of just fear itself and so concerned with the world and then we struggle to do that or afraid of um, you know, your future financial situation, your future job, will I have enough money, will, will this be the right next fit for me, best fit for me. Um, some of you worry about eternity, you know, what happens, maybe experience in your life like kind of hits you with the reality 
that there is death inevitable in, for, in store for all of us. And so that really hits you one day. And, and how do you process that? And that can bring up a lot of fear. Um, you know, you tell yourself, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to steal. And then I hopefully you don't do a lot of stealing or cheating. But, you know, maybe you tell a little white lie here and there. Um, and if any of those are applicable to you, I hope at some point you've thought to yourself, really shouldn't do that anymore, and then, and then you do tell that white lie. You don't really tell the whole truth. You kind of tell 90% of the truth, but the 10% that you know that they want to know, you don't tell them. Or maybe it's faith-related, and, and you, your goal is to just to get to know God better, or get to know him at all, maybe for the first time, if ever, to have a genuine faith. Um, but then, you know, maybe you come to church for a few weeks, and then they kind of get busy, and then you don't come back to church. That's a lot of people's story. Essentially, there's something you want, there's a reward that you have in mind, something you want to accomplish, and so you try to accomplish it, but you don't, right? You try to do better, but you don't. You try not to think those thoughts, but then you think those thoughts. You try to make better decisions, but then you fail at those decisions. You try to have faith in the midst of challenges in life. You try to be a good Christian. Have you ever heard that? Somebody say, like, I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to follow Jesus. And you tell yourself, when you fail, what do you tell yourself? You say, well, I'll try again next time, right? Because that's what my parents or somebody taught me along the way. Well, just, you know, dust off your shoes and get up and try it again. What I want to suggest to you today is in some of these kind of bigger deal situations in our life, like there, there's areas of our life where these kind of matter, you know, not lying, cheating, and stealing, you know, they're kind of consequential. Not doing that is, is probably a good thing. In these bigger areas of life, trying may not be the right perspective. Let me explain that. Trying is, in, in my mind, maybe you think of it or see it differently, but trying to me is an attempt to change with minimal commitment. Okay, I'll say it one more time. Trying is an attempt to change or do something different or achieve something, but you do it with very minimal commitment involved. You just tried it. And if you didn't succeed, you can try again or whatnot. But there's not a lot of commitment. You don't have to stick with it. You can walk away from it. It's kind of like trying, you know, a new flavor of ice cream at the ice cream store. What do they do? They give you a tiny, itty-bitty little spoon that you can throw away. Why? Because you don't have to commit to, to buying it necessarily. Just try it. And a lot of these big issues in our life, not just picking the right ice cream flavor, but in big issues in our life, we just try it. We don't commit to it. We don't commit to resolving it or overcoming it or changing. Here, if, um, here at Infuse, if you ever try to serve somewhere or want to serve and get involved here at church, like Tamara was sharing, um, the first thing we have pretty much everybody do, no matter what, is to try it. And we really mean try. When we say try, we mean it as I just laid it out. It's, it's you attempt to do something, with minimal commitment. You don't have to commit to, you know, be a, um, a, down in our kids' area for the, the rest of time. You just try it once, maybe try it twice, maybe try it three times because we want it to be a good fit for you. And so we ask everybody to, well, we call it shadowing, but effectively to shadow and see if it's a passion area, if it stirs your spirit, if you get excited about doing it because we want you to try it without the commitment. But the problem with trying is trying gives you too much room to fail, okay? But it gives you enough credit so you can feel good about yourself. You ever tried that? I tried going to the gym, and I went once or twice, but, right? 
there's enough room for failure. It's kind of like the, the funny video, right? Think about this. Have you ever tried to learn to go up a flight of stairs? Yeah, you did. You don't remember it, but you did at some point, didn't you? Now, some of you would say, actually, there have been some staircases where I have tried and I have failed miserably, right? Some of those videos could have or have been me, right? Because going up a, a set of stairs is hard. But you did learn to go up a flight of stairs at some point in your life, right? Here's my daughter, my, our oldest daughter, Elia, um, learning to go up a flight of stairs. And when you're the first grandchild, okay, when you're the first grandchild, this is what happens. Everyone is around you. The dog's there, family members there, there's people above recording you, there's people below recording you, and you're watching. It's so adorable. Can I just take a second to say, this is not an announcement or anything, but it really makes me want to have another child. Um, <laughs> you know, I just have three, why not have four? Okay, but it's so cute, isn't it? They're so squishy and warm, and yeah. And now they yell really loud. Anyways, um, yeah, so, so anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, you're trying to learn to do something, um, but, is, but the question I want to ask you is, is she trying or is she training? Now, don't look at the slide and give it all away. Is she trying to do it or is she training to do it? I would say she's actually training because she didn't just try it. She didn't just sample it. Because today she's running up flights of stairs, okay? That is the product of training, not trying. Training is different because training has a goal in mind. Training has commitment to it. It has a win in mind. It has a victory or breakthrough in mind. Training is a commitment, not an attempt. It's different. Training is doing what I can do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. Right? I'm going to do something today, what I can do today, to help me to do more tomorrow. Instead of trying to bite off the entire thing in one fell swoop, which is what we try to do a lot, I am going to look at it through a different lens of training. Every single day, I am diligently working towards a goal. Right? So in Elia's case, trying to learn in that video to crawl upstairs, what did she do? You know, she takes, you know, eventually she started and she put her hands up and she stood up on the steps and then she realized that would be kind of fun to put my next hand up, right? And then she put a leg up and then, then she went two steps, three steps, you know, and then she needed to take a break in grandma's arms, but that, you know, we all need that moment in our lives, okay? But eventually, after training, she accomplished her goal. She accomplished her goal. So here's what I want to ask you, okay? And then we're going to look back at Paul. What are you trying to accomplish in life? Maybe you have something Maybe it's been weighing on you. You're trying to achieve something. Not, if you can, stay away from like material things, right? I'm trying to buy that boat. Okay. Thinking emotionally, thinking relationally, okay? Thinking faith-wise. What's something you're trying to accomplish? Now, what would it look like if instead of just trying it, because I'm guessing if you're qualifying it as trying it, you've been trying it for a while. It's not just your first attempt, okay? You're trying it. Maybe today is your first attempt coming to church. I don't know if it is. Hey, welcome. Thank you for trying it, okay? But there's no commitment yet, right? What would it look like if you would move trying to training? What would it look like if instead you train to accomplish that goal in your life instead? Let's make it faith-related for a second. 
are you trying to figure out faith in Jesus or are you training? Are you sampling different flavors of different religion or you're sampling different churches or maybe you're sampling a little bit of Jesus here and there or something? Oh, I really like that piece. I'll take that and I like that and I'll take that and I'll put that together and that's, that's what I like. Or are you really training to follow Jesus? Let me put it a different way for you. When I was agnostic, and I know you hear this a lot, but, but it's where I was and it's a little different. I'm not agnostic anymore. Um, but when I was agnostic, looking back, I would say that I was not trying. I was training. My agnosticism, I didn't know it at the time, but it was actually faith training for Christianity. Okay, It was just a very deep dive, let's say. right? Because my goal, my win, and I knew this from the very beginning of trying to figure out faith and what faith was to me and if Christianity was a real thing, if Jesus was who he said he was, he really rose from the dead, all that kind of stuff. Okay. If my goal from the very beginning was to figure out what I really believed, what was really true, that was my goal the entire time. And that is a powerful goal if that's your goal and then you train to get there. I didn't try it, I trained for it. I read books about agnosticism, I read books oftentimes from the perspective of people who are agnostic or agnostic Christians, that's a unique thing, you can go and Google it later, agnostic Christian um, or atheism, whatever it may be. But, you know, it, I was trying to figure it out. That was my goal. I wanted to be in a place in my life where I could confidently say, this is what I believe and here is why. And I trained to get there. It took two plus, two and a half years to figure it out, but I trained. And that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to kind of be a church where no matter where you are, maybe you've been doing a Christian thing for a long time or a little bit, there is if you have a goal in mind, hopefully you do, we want to help walk alongside you to get you there. Paul again, okay? This time in a different letter, letter to the Corinthians. It's actually not the first letter, by the way. It's like the second letter, but we call it the first letter. It's very confusing. Paul wrote multiple letters. We lost some. I didn't lose it. Somebody else lost it. But long story short, this was one of his letters to the church, okay? And he said in it, it's a really great little statement here. He's kind of like has a little thought going, and then he kind of, takes a second, he's like, hey, do you guys know this? I just, and this is how Paul writes. It's like, he's really, you know, hammering some really good truths and some helpful things, and then he steps out, and he's like, hey, wait a second. Before I continue, do you guys know? Did you know this? Did you know this? Because he assumed they didn't know. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run? Wow, profound. But only one gets the prize. Well, depending on what kind of, some sports, everybody gets the prize, but Okay, sorry, that was confrontational. Um, but only one gets the prize, question mark. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, here's what he didn't say. He didn't say, you have to be first. Did he say that? No. He's not even gonna comment on what place he wants you to fall in. What he wants is for you to run it in a certain way. And that way is as if you are going to get first place. Run it with focus and intentionality. So when you approach something like a big issue in your life, like fear or um, loneliness or um, anxiety or a relational break in your life and, and it's really stressing you out that this relationship is broken or a career trajectory or what you're gonna do after high school or what you're gonna do after college or what's your next job gonna be, whatever that is, okay, 
you look at it and you say, it is a race, not a sprint. It is a race to be run in a way where you're going to get the prize. That's the way you should run it. Go after that goal. Go after that goal. Now, one thing to say about that, though, is everyone who runs the race, this is what he said, everyone who keep, competes in the race, in the games, goes into strict training. Is that not true? If you're going to be an Olympic athlete, you go into not just kind of training, it's strict training. It is devoted. You are not trying at this point. You are focused. It's intentional. You have committed. I get the stairs may sometimes be intimidating, but the easiest way to climb a flight of stairs, sorry if this is kind of cliche, but it is one step at a time. Yeah. And you may fall down the stairs. The stairs may be icy. The stairs may be broken. It may be unfair. They may be missing rungs in the stairs. But you keep going. And you train to keep going. You train to prepare for the time that things don't work very well. And then he switches it up. And he says, because he's specifically talking about Christianity, he's specifically talking about, um, in this case, more or less, how to be a good follower of the good news of Jesus Christ. How to be a good follower of the good news that God loves the world. He came and he died for the world because he loves you so much. That kind of good news. Here's what he says. He says, they do not get a crown that will not, they do, they do it, excuse me, the racers. They do it, the race, to get a crown that will not last, okay? You get a nice little reward, a nice little medal, okay, gonna be honest with you, it's not gonna last. I think all my medals from high school, I think they're still up in my room on my wall. That's not a me thing, that's a parental thing. They might be watching. Actually, I know my parents are watching. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Next time I go to my house, to, to my old room, it's gonna be like empty. And they're gonna be like, well, that's what you said in front of a group of people. Okay. <laughs> But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. He said, if you're pursuing Jesus and you're pursuing, pursuing Jesus' likeness, then this is going to be something that not only serves you in life, but it will serve you in eternity. So why not pursue that kind of lasting life change now and forever? So therefore, he's going to conclude and wrap up. Did you know this? Now you're knowing this. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, okay? You've seen people running aimlessly. It's embarrassing. You're confused. They don't know where they're going. If somebody ever runs the bases backwards in baseball, it's like, <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, no. Eventually, you should get old enough where you know every time, usually the T-ballers or the little kids run the bases the wrong way, right? And then you become an adult and you run the bases the right way. Don't do it aimlessly. Run it the right way. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, Okay? That was terrible, I know. It's so embarrassing. I'm not a boxer, obviously. Um, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow. This is dramatic. This is like getting your team pumped up. Strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I'm gonna live my life in a way that does not make me a hypocrite, okay? I'm gonna make myself a slave to the training and the pursuit and the goals that I have. He's trying to get everybody focused and pumped up, like a pregame pump-up thing, okay? I'm going to train with a goal in mind, with a win in mind, with a victory in mind. I'm going to train as a commitment, not an attempt. Training is what I can do today to enable me to do more tomorrow. Others may run aimlessly. That's not an excuse for you to run aimlessly. You shouldn't. Those other people in your life, they may be even really close to you. They may run aimlessly. But Paul says, especially if you're Christian, 
Do not pursue Jesus aimlessly. Aimlessly. Okay, so here's a question. What are you training for? I kind of already asked this before, but what are you training for? What are you training for? What do you want to overcome? How are you training for it? Not trying, but how are you training for it? Do you have your goal set? And how are you going to get there? What knowledge are you working to gain? If you're a Christian, how often do you spend time trying to understand how God sees you and how you should see God? Is that like a daily thing or a weekly thing, a monthly thing, a only on Sundays thing? And is that the kind of training that's going to get you to where you want to go? Now, this feels so, like, obvious, but let's, again, acknowledge the fact that we struggle sometimes to even follow through on the commitments we've made ourselves. And Paul's saying, if you don't follow through, if you're aimless, you won't get there. I struggled for a long time uh, feeling very... Um, uncomfortable, and I, I struggled with difficult conversations, critical conversations, you know, like hard conversations, like you didn't do this right, or I'm concerned about this, or, and that's kind of a pastoral thing, you're supposed to be able to do this, but it's not fun, let's be honest, let's be, it is not fun to have those difficult conversations, okay, and so I just started pouring into books, I read books, I listened to podcasts, I watched TED Talks, I read the Bible about, you know, just, hey, how did Jesus, how do you handle critical conversations, and Jesus was like, I just handled them, and it's like, whew, okay, I'm, I'll work on it, all right? And so what I discovered is something that Jesus did a lot is it, it was critical conversations, like half, like majority of the conversations in the Bible that Jesus ever had with anybody, you could qualify them as heated, yeah? I mean, they're, they're critical, they're important. And so often, Jesus did this incredible thing. He asked questions. You might have heard that before. He asked way more questions in the Bible than like anything else, just constantly asking questions, 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 questions. Because Why? Because curiosity is key. It's one of the values as a church, our church, um, because it's a key. It unlocks doors. It unlocks people's hearts. and unlocks people's minds. You just ask questions. And he did that, and he forced people to think differently, to learn differently. And so I just approach a lot of critical conversations just trying to understand. And then I find out, oh, I didn't know this about you. And then we can build trust and relationship, and it works better. But what did I do? I said, hey, I have a goal. I want to train for it. I'm going to see what Jesus had to say on it. And I'm going to live that out. If you say, for example, yes to Jesus. Hey, I'm a Jesus follower. I want to follow Jesus. That's fantastic. What's your training plan? You're like, oh, I don't have a training plan. Well, great. I have step number one. Have you been baptized? That's like literally step number one. And guess what? Our step number one here at Infuse is a multi-step process, okay, to help you so when you're you get baptized, okay, and somebody walks up to you on the street afterwards and say, hey, I saw your baptism or I watched it online. You can articulate to them, if they ask, why it is that you chose to be baptized. We want to prepare you. We want to help you. We want to walk with you. Some of you say, well, I want to just get back to going to church. I'm not sure about the Jesus thing, but I feel like maybe I could figure it out here. That's fantastic. You absolutely can but is church something you're trying or is church the spiritual gym to get you to following Christ better? Is it something you're trying or is it a spiritual gym to help you get better? If your goal is really healthy relationships and friendship, maybe this fall you need to sign up for a small group at Infuse. You can actually sign up for it now and then we'll just hit you up in the fall when we launch them. 
and you commit to being in community with one another for a whole entire year. It's like, oh, a whole entire year? I, I, that's a huge commitment. It is a commitment. Why? Because we're not trying to follow Jesus. We're training together. You're like, well, I'm not sure I'm a follower yet. That's okay. I was agnostic, and I was still training. And you can too. But do you understand the pathway here? It's not trying. It's training. What are your kids? What are parents? What are your kids training for? Because ultimately, you're responsible for this as a parent. What are your kids training for? Are they training for the next Little League championship? Or are they training to be prepared for the other 62-plus years of their lives? on average, if they live to 80? Are you trying to prepare them to be successful for the first 18, or are you trying to prepare them to be successful for the next 62? And too often today, I'm going to be honest, it's kind of judgmental, and I don't totally mean to be judgmental, just kind of honest. And, and I'm not a perfect parent in this too, because we're navigating how do we have our kids and all the everything that's going on. But, but our ultimate goal as parents is to train them for the majority of life that they're going to live, not just to be successful in the present or in the next you know, grade school, high school, education time. Now, is that important to set you up for later? It certainly can help. But I want them to be able to approach the difficult, crucial conversations, crucial moments of life and have a value system, a faith system, a support and relational system to help them navigate that. And a God who loves them and a spirit who fills them to follow him even through those trying times. Because I will not always be their earthly parent. I hope that's not the case at least. So who's going to raise them? Who's going to guide them even later in life? You're preparing them for life, for the next step. So what's your next step? What is it? Learning stairs or learning to climb stairs is hard. But if you haven't thought about it for a while, that's because you know how to climb stairs, right? Think about that. When was the last time you thought about, how do I climb a flight of stairs? You don't. Why? Because you've been doing it so long. What is your goal? How are you training for it? Not to just win the whole race, but to take a step to train. Today is a special day because um, not only do you guys get to hear a testimony story, Um, But it's a celebration of a training process, not the conclusion of a training process, but the starting of a training process, um, because we are um, celebrating a a new pastor here at Infused Church, one of our own, and um, and becoming a pastor. And this, um, today, uh, we're celebrating uh, Caitlin receiving uh, what's called essentially her district license. So you can think of it as like your intermediate driving license here in Iowa, right? You get a learner's permit, then you get an intermediate license when you're 16, you get to hold that for a couple years. And then um, if um, everything is still on a great trajectory and you're training, you're accomplishing what you need to do, you get the permanent license or what's called ordination. So anyways, um, and so she's been working on this for a while. Um, she actually gets it here in a couple weeks, but uh, we're, we're jumping the gun and doing it early because she's already approved. Anyways, so, um, so we're celebrating that because it's also our, our very first pastor, uh, hopefully of, of many to come, of, of developing and sending out leaders into the world because that's part of our vision as a church, uh, so or a mission as a church, I should say. So uh, essentially how it works at a high level, just in case any of you are interested in becoming pastors, see me after church. Um, step one, you have a call to ministry. Hey, I think God's working in me. I think God's maybe calling me to something. You sense a call. You get your learner's permit. 
Um, it's given by the local church. You have to hold it for over a year. You have to complete six of 24 college credits. You have a fall assessment, a spring interview, much more. You get a district license, which is an intermediate license, and then you got to hold that for at least two to nine years. Um, and then you have to complete all your courses, more mentorship, more yearly interviews, and eventually uh, you get ordained or your full license um, at least uh, at a minimum of, of four years it, it takes um, if you are able to do it in the fastest possible sense. And so that's kind of the goal. And so um, Caitlin has uh, essentially achieved to this space right here, step number three, and um, which is uh, still a, um, uh, a, a stage of training and learning and growing, uh, but it's enough education, enough preparation that we feel confident um, in uh, that title of being pastor, all right? So um, you'll notice, um, as Caitlin shares her story via video, uh, that, um, that the training process isn't perfect, and it is not uniform. There are some uniform steps that everybody needs to take, but just as in life, because some of you are going to write this off, you're like, well, I'm not called to be a pastor. Yeah, but you are called to be a follower of Christ, if you so choose. And you're called to treat one another as Christ treated you. And so that involves a training process, and some of them are not the same. And that's the case with Caitlin. Caitlin has a unique gift and a unique passion uh, and unique life's experiences that I don't share, which equips her to do ministry in a way that I don't do. But that's the great thing of the body of Christ. We can come together with our skills and all of that um, to serve the body of Christ uh, more dynamically and better as a community than we could individually, all right? So here's Caitlin's story, and listen for the training process that she's gone through to come to this day, and then we're going to have her up here on stage, all right? Check out Caitlin's story. You're always trying to live out this expectation that you have for yourself, and so I felt like we were really on track, um, like a newly married couple, um, things were going our way. When we found Infuse, I was still in my say yes era of just saying yes to opportunities that I felt like God was presenting me with, and so I was really ready to go and like jump in and continue um, on with those opportunities. But I don't think that I knew where that would lead or to the extent that that would impact my life. We got married in April and then my dad died in December of that year. So it was kind of just like an instant challenge, kind of navigating something really new. Um, and then I think that just continued on as we were trying to have children and that wasn't panning out for us at the time. And so again, it just felt like there was another roadblock and another challenge. And so I think it just started to feel like, like God, I'm doing all these things for you and I'm serving where you want me to serve and I'm saying yes to these things, but that I wasn't getting um, what I thought I should be getting out of that. And so it did make it difficult to keep going, at least with the same heart. So I think there's a lot of times I was showing up to show up, but really not putting my heart into it because my heart wasn't there. And I think in that distance too, it created um, more of a mental health struggle for myself too. So I started seeing a counselor um, who's also a Christian counselor. And um, through that time, I think she kind of burst my bubble of like what I thought this reality of being a follower of Jesus was, that um, everything would pan out and that it would be okay um, or even be easy. 
but um, she turned me to a verse in the Bible that talked about how these hardships in our life really just shape us. Turning the perspective around in that way really helped to get me back on track with realizing that like everyone's going through these things. Like every single person that we're encountering is going through something. Whether it's the loss of someone in their life or just a difficult time, that um, we're not gonna escape that just because um, we've decided to follow Jesus. Up until like this point in my life, I hadn't really experienced struggle. I would say like the things I was going through were very just adolescent struggles. These adult struggles that I was facing, these like real life things, made it a lot easier to understand other people and just kind of their perspective. Because I think when you've walked through difficult stuff like that, then you realize how hard it can be. Like how hard it can be to get yourself up in the morning. How hard it can be to pour into relationships with other people. Um, or even just find enjoyment in the things you used to enjoy. And so um, it helped me to better relate to other people in my life that also might be going through difficult times. I remember we went to an event. It was with Infuse. There was a female who was sharing her story of leadership within the church and her pastoral journey. And, and I don't know, it was just, it really spoke to me. And then it was like, I really felt like I heard God telling me, like, you can do great things. I think it was that push that I needed that I didn't have to limit myself. Like, I didn't have to limit myself based on my past experiences, based on um, who I was, what I'd been through, but that um, because of God and what He was capable of, that I was capable of those great things too. It turns out that that looked like um, going through classes to get a, a degree and to walk this path of becoming a pastor. Because I think it doesn't look like just being the person who talks on Sunday. The area where I'm most led to is just um, creating community for people. I think I just feel really excited for just being an example for other people to really jump into places they feel uncomfortable with or places they didn't think they could go either. Because I think, again, it is just like so easy to limit yourself, but God does not place his limitations on us. The world places a lot of limitations on us or expectations of what they think, but I think we're capable of a lot more. Oh yeah, you can clap. <laughs> Um, all right, Caitlin got distracted watching her own video. <laughs> oh, oh wow, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Becky. All right, Caitlin, thank you for sharing your story and uh, this step in ministry um, and saying yes what God has called you to do. Um, so a district minister's license, and uh, with it, the title of pastor is granted after many steps that have com been completed. Caitlin will have uh, held her license for at least one year, I think three so far, her local license. She's completed a fourth of all of her courses, uh, nominated by the local church board. She was also interviewed by multiple pastors around the state of Iowa. Um, her and Joe, her husband, also completed a three-day initial assessment uh, where they were both interviewed and assessed and all that, which I know Joe, Joe really enjoyed. And uh, <clears throat> hey, guys, he was really patient. He could have, uh, yes, yes. Anyways, um, and... Uh, 
and she will be approved by all the participating churches in the state of Iowa this July, not to mention the countless hours of uh, ministry um, here to this church, uh, full of learning, suffering, and celebrating, uh, and lead us to say this is not one of those $25 licenses you buy online, okay? This district um, license and the title of pastor marks the immediate step by, uh, intermediate step by which Caitlin's responsibilities will grow, um, the expectations increase, but also the opportunity to impact God's church and God's children will expand as well. Many more experiences certainly will await, um, but they will hopefully be opportunities to grow in church leadership um, and also for our church's leadership to observe and encourage um, and eventually to ordain you as a lifelong pastor in the church. Um, as Paul said in Romans chapter 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, Caitlin, do you accept your responsibility to serve uh, God's church as a follower of Christ, to love Jesus as Jesus loved, to learn, to grow, and to see God's will in your life and future ministry. So say, I do. I do. You commit to continuing your studies, responsibilities, interviews, and steps over the coming years until you are ordained as an elder pastor in the church, in God's church. I do. And do you, Caitlin, agree to the words of Peter in his first letter, chapter 5? He said, as a fellow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock, that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it, willingly, not grudgingly, though it is easy to do it grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. Do you agree with this 2,000-year-old expectations for all pastors in God's church? If so, say, I do. I do. And finally, Joe, 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 hey Joe, Joe loves to be the highlight of everything. Um, do you, Joe, commit to support Caitlin and her ministry as pastor and her continued education and growth? <laughs> thank you, Joe. Uh, Caitlin, thank you for accepting God's call on your life, and we're going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I thank you for your tremendous love. Uh, a love that works through each of us in different ways. For some of us, it works through our hearts and greeting people at the front door, caring and investing in the next generation down in kids' ministry, leading small groups. And for some of us, you have called us to being a pastor of your church. Thank you that your love manifests itself in different ways, in different lives, and in different seasons. Thank you, Lord, today that we get to celebrate what you've been doing in Caitlin's life for the last few years as she has progressed in her um, calling and clarified that, um, as she has diligently worked through and, and persevered in her work towards um, her uh, district license and becoming a pastor. Uh, and Lord, I just uh, thank you for that and pray that you would be with her and Joe and Nash and her family um, as uh, she progresses forward in continuing uh, this education and growth and, and trajectory and that you would be with her as she continues to train, not just tries, but as she continues to train
to follow you better, which is something that all of us can do, even here and now today. We could all choose to follow you better. And with that goal in mind, train and run the race that's set before us in a way, not aimlessly, but with focus and intentionality um, to better reflect your love in our hearts, in our minds, and to bring your love better into this world. And so, Lord, thank you for Caitlin, and thank you um, that you work in our hearts and our minds um, to accomplish these great accomplishments. In your name I pray, amen.